I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. What's up, guys? Happy Friday. We're continuing with the media exit interviews today, and I'm joined by Mr. Jay King, the kid from The Athletic. How are you doing today, Jay? I'm doing well, man. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. We had your uh, your buddy Jared Weiss on here the, uh, this time last week, and we were trying to give him a nickname. He said it was like, so my outlook was, if you've named yourself the kid, can he name himself the king? The <laughs> yeah, yeah, go for it, man. Gotta do it. <laughs> he said he I'm didn't think board. you'd be on board for that, so uh, we'll have to make sure he listens. <laughs> Classic. So the way this is going to work is this is all going to be about your season. We're not too focused on the players as at the minute it's dead. There's not really anything we can talk about on the players unless we want to look at Daniel Tice's knee. So we're going to ask you a few questions, see how your season went, see what you found good, what you found bad. And we'll start off with your high point of the season. My high point for for me personally or for the Celtics? For you personally, whether it be someone you got to interview or an article you wrote that blew up. Whatever it may be. Oh man, uh, man, the season was so long ago. Um, you can like it started times. so long ago. I don't even remember the stories I wrote at the beginning of the year. Um, what would be one of the stories? My high point. I don't know. I'm really, I'm really bad at at praising myself. Uh, one of my favorite stories to write was I wrote it at oral history of Marcus Smart's AAU days and just kind of how, how crazy he was, how crazy his team was, how crazy the parents on his team was. And that, that was a lot of fun for me just because I played AAU basketball too. And, and the stories from AAU basketball, it kind of took me back to when I was a kid and some of my best friends still to this day are from that team. So, so I, I really enjoyed writing that story. Um, that that might have been the high point for me, just because it kind of brought me back to to my days as a player. I think I remember this article. Is that where you had? Was it his teammate? One of his friends from the AAU team was kind of feeding you info on what he was like and how their their rivalry went. Was it a teammate or a coach? Yeah, it was. So I spoke to. A, a lot of players that he played with in AAU, and what was what was different about his team. Well, one of the things that was different about his team was a lot of them played together from the time they were in third grade. Um, and then they, they grew into, obviously, Marcus Smart became one of the top recruits in the country. But Phil Forte, one of his teammates, went on to Oklahoma start, I think, four years at Oklahoma State. He played with Marcus Smart there. Um, they had uh, Isaiah Austin, who was a second-round draft pick, I believe, in the NBA, who went to Baylor. They had... Um, a number of other guys who had productive college careers and they all started together when they were like eight years old. And so they, they were, they've just became really tight friends, but they were also just nuts. Like parents, parents would get into fights with other parents on the same team. Uh, players are just kind of clash with each other, but they always loved each other at the end of the day. So I thought, I thought it was, it was interesting to see kind of where Marcus Smart came from, what kind of team environment he grew up in. And I think it probably explains a lot about Marcus Smart. It's crazy how that article was so long ago. And the minute you start talking about it, I remember reading that uh, when it first dropped. 
That was actually, yeah. it was a fun read as well. Uh, Marcus Thank Mars you. Appreciate a, that. He's had a very up and down season. I know some fans are calling for his head at this point. Some fans wanting, I don't, I'm not saying which side of the fence I lean on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so moving on, we're going to look at what your most difficult point of the year was. What did you, what was it? Somebody you met that was cussing you out? Did you ask the wrong question to the wrong guy? We're not going to touch that Brad Stevens moment just yet. So that one can't be used. <laughs> Okay, cool. Uh, I think just the entire kind of like having to adapt to covering a team from afar was really tough because normally you're there at practice every day. You're talking to coaches. You're talking to players. You're talking to everybody. You're seeing things. You are with the team and you can get a feel of what's going on when you're not there every day. And I I didn't realize just how important that was until it got taken away. And so covering a team on Zoom conference calls was just really weird and trying to find decent ideas, trying to find ideas that are unique that nobody else would have. It it was really tough at times. Um, And obviously that was far from the most important thing in the last few months. And it was incredible what the NBA did with the bubble. And there were very good reasons why they wanted to limit the media inside the bubble and have all of it on zoom calls. I think they they did the best with the situation that was presented, but at the same time, like trying to learn how to, how to cover a team on zoom calls was just a, a new experience. And I think it really, tested all of our creativity and probably uh, a lot of times we and I struggle with that. Every member of the media I spoke to in the last 10 days or so doing these exit interviews have all said the exact same thing. It was the the Zoom calls, the being distant from the team itself, that lack of creativity. Next question that this one's going to throw you, if you've struggled with the first two, this one's going to throw you a little bit. What Uh-oh. would be your biggest area of growth over the off season? So players are working on their jump shots. They're working on them step backs. What are you looking to improve on and get some extra reps in? Uh, I think, think you're always just trying to expand the creativity. This is actually a lot easier question than the other ones. Um, just expand your creativity. Like I always read everybody else's stories, not just because I want to know what's going on with the Celtics, with everybody else and every other team in the NBA, but also just to get ideas. And, and I, I think writers in a lot of ways are like, like coaches. Coaches are always stealing plays, stealing strategies, stealing ideas from each other. And so I, I think we're always looking to kind of not, not steal um, from other people, but anytime you can get an idea of, of how a person approaches story or how they approach, um, you know, cultivating sources, things like that. I, I think, all of that um, is something I continue to to try to work on, and like there, there's a lot. I there's a long list of things I need to get better at as a as a writer and reporter. Uh, that would take a lot longer than a 45 minute podcast, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we're all, just kind of always working at at getting better, and and I think hopefully we'll be able to be allowed to see some practices, see some games, things like that. Um, but, but if not, then, then I, I need to do a better job, um, of kind of handling the, the lack of access and still, still finding 
um, decent story ideas. Yeah, a lot of um, a lot of writing in general comes down to the amount you read, right? Like I'm doing a, a degree at the moment in creative writing, and they're punishing me for not reading enough. Like you need to read every day. <laughs> You need to read everything, copy people's cadence, find out the way they're structuring things, see if you can mirror that. That stuff just, um, it's necessary, right? It's the only way that you can kind of build on what you've already got in place. And players do it too. You'll see guys, they grew up watching Kobe. They added in that little turnaround jumper he had or the little post moves that he did. And then you watch guys that grew up on T-Max. So everybody has to, you have to learn from somewhere. So, Okay, so now you said there's a long list of things that you need to, to work on. When we're looking at the thing you find hardest, what type of article do you try and steer clear from? Is it film breakdowns? Is it narrative stuff where you're trying, where a lot of it's conjecture? Which one are you just like, I'm not touching that with a 10 foot barge pole? Uh, see, I, I, like, I like the challenge of trying to do it all. I think that's kind of what the the writers I, I admire do like they know the film breakdown. They know how to break down the game. They know how to, how to evaluate it, but they also can, you know, write a story about personal, somebody's, you know, personal problems or issues and, and kind of dig into stuff like that too. So I, I think, I mean, I, I I wouldn't say I shy away from from any of that stuff. Hopefully, I I try to take on the challenge of of doing all those things. Um, but yeah, that that's that's the fun stuff is that you never know what's coming next. I guess with with sports writing and especially when you're able to interview guys. Um, one of my other, I wouldn't call it a favorite story. Um, but one of the stories that kind of st- stands out to me as I look back at, at the season was um, a story about Jalen Brown that I wrote. And I, I actually started off the story I was going to write about, like his improvements as a player. And I think I wanted to talk about his left hand finishing or something like some some stupid basketball thing. And then he just kind of started talking about how mentally like he dealt with a lot of anxiety and and stuff like that last year during the 2018-19 season. And it just kind of morphed into a totally different story than I anticipated. And, and so that's the fun part of the job is is kind of getting to speak with guys and, and find out that sometimes, you know, the, you don't know anything about what's going on until these guys – until you're lucky enough that one of the guys lets you in on it. Um, and so I, I always appreciate moments like that, stuff like that. Those sort of articles are important as well because they let everybody know that these guys are human. They're not just these robots that you watch on the screen for a few hours a day. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think it's it's cool that he was willing to share it. I think it's cool that he wanted to talk about it. And I think it's cool that that he kind of overcame some of that stuff and, and grew from it because, honestly, that the pressure of on that team, the 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 scrutiny on that team was just enormous. And and it was a tough experience for everybody, but I think I think he grew from it. I think Jason Tatum grew from it. I think Brad Stevens grew from it. I think a lot of the guys that that stayed on the team kind of learned from that experience, and and it'll help them later in their careers. Talking about interviewing players and speaking to these guys in practice and stuff, 
when I spoke with John, your good buddy, John, that you seem to like uh, going back and forth with on Twitter, which amuses me <laughs> no end. He was telling me about a time at the start of the season where he got introduced to Carson Edwards. Like John's got a few questions for you and Carson kind of rolled his eyes like, Oh God, I've got to speak to John. Have you, have you had any of them moments of any guys this year where they've visibly just not wanted to speak to you? Uh, I don't think so this year. Um, in the past, yeah, that's that's definitely happened. I can remember one time with uh, Marcus Morris. I he, Marcus Morris is like super honest about stuff and and kind of gave it to you straight. So he he was one of my favorite players on that team to talk to because he would give you like the reality of what was going on rather than you know cliches stuff like that. So I, I liked talking to him. I I often. Um, requested interviews with him because of that and one day <laughs> one one day I uh, I requested an interview with him again and uh, so the the PR guy walked me over to Marcus and he's like he's like you, you gotta talk to me every day huh and I, I was like yeah man like and he was just joking around he was he wasn't being totally serious um, but he he recognized that that I enjoyed going to him because, you know, like he, he really was a straight shooter. And but he he liked to give me that I I went to him for so many interviews. Yeah, Marcus Morris is the last guy on the team outside of Marcus Smart that you want annoyed at you in the locker room as well. <laughs> yeah, but Marcus Smart's great with the media too. Like he's he's been unbelievable to us. Um, so I I I appreciate what he is. I I don't think he really gets gets too mad at media members he's he's been really really kind a lot to a lot of us so this season kind of transitioning a little bit this season's been a little bit of a highlight reel for you you've had some really funny moments we've got the mcdonald's moment <laughs> yep that was <laughs> that one was interesting we've got the brad stevens uh, moment yeah and then um, we've got obviously your countless twitter altercations where either sam's jumped in on you and gave you some grief or john's done it and then we've got you guys starting your own pod on anything is potable. If you had to rank those moments from favorite to least favorite, where and we'll just do the three. So we'll do the McDonald's moment, the Stevens moment, and then the starting the podcast moment. Which one's going at your top and which one's like, oh, I, I never want to see or hear of that again? The Stevens moment cracked me up um, just because I, at the time that I said on a Zoom call, I had no clue that everyone else could hear me. It wasn't until after the Zoom call had ended that I got I got a call from one of the Celtics PR guys, and he's like, "Jay, uh, we can hear you." <laughs> and so I just thought it was the funniest thing, and the way Brad reacted to it was hysterical. So I enjoyed that one quite a bit. Um, the you said creating anything is potable, right? Yeah, yeah, which I'm assuming that, was tough in some ways and funny enough. Yeah, that that was really hard because um, obviously, like before that, we were with Locked On Celtics with Corrales, and I thought the three of us had a really, really good thing going. Like, I appreciate Corrales quite a bit as a friend and when we were, you know, podcast co-hosts. But um, the Athletic came to me, and they they wanted me to kind of bring the podcast over to the athletic and 
for for me it made sense um for packard it made sense but for john because he had other shows on the lockdown network it just didn't make sense for him to do that so it sucked that we had to split up um and hopefully at some point we'll be able to have a podcast together again uh, who knows what the future will bring but so that that was really tough but anything is possible like I, I still can't believe we started that this season it seems like years ago that we start, we started that podcast but it's been a lot of fun pa- Packard Packard's a lot of fun uh, my my dad will actually like bring up Packard all the time and just ask how he's doing he's never met Packard but he thinks he's Packard's good friend because he listens to the podcast so yeah, we have a lot of fun with anything's possible. Well, I'd go that that was really bittersweet. So that could go near the top of this list or near the bottom. Um, McDonald's one, we'll put that one at the bottom. Although that that was a cool. I mean, in some way, it wasn't great that I had to puke on camera, um, <laughs> but it was cool to raise raise money um, for for a good cause. And then the other part of that, which was really neat for me, was like I I had Sean Grandy who I, I respect like hell as a play-by-play guy and who I used to listen to as a kid, um, like call Celtics games. I had him literally do play-by-play of me puking. And so in, in a weird way, that, that was a cool moment for me um, because he's someone I've respected for a long time. Someone, like I said, I, I grew up listening. I always give him that he's really old because I was a, a child listening to him call games but but when like when I took a step back from that I was like man this is this is a really really cool thing that that he wanted to be a part of it um for for to help with charity and just that like this guy that I've admired for a long time would want to do that that was that was awesome for me um but the puking part obviously I could have done without that <laughs> and yeah, that then, was what, a- what was the that was a bunch of food, man. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of food. It what was, was the calorie count? Do you remember what the calorie count was? It was somewhat ridiculous. I, I didn't look at the calorie count. I'm <laughs> sure it was it was several thousand. <laughs> by the end, it just tasted so bad, man. It was just so gross. Because you, um, you was on a good pace to begin with. Like It looked like you were going to make it like work, and then all of a sudden, everything just went bad. I actually, like, I really thought I was going to be able to do that. I, when I was younger, like, I, I used to, I can eat anything, right? I could eat, I'll sit down and order a full pizza and eat the whole thing. Like, it's, like, I eat a lot, but that was, that was too much. <laughs> too much to be. What, what was the other one you had? Uh, no, I just beef, stuck with those three because the other one was just uh, you guys giving each other trash on Twitter. Yeah, obviously, obviously I love, I love igniting fake Twitter beefs with uh, with my friends. <laughs> if I get in a Twitter beef, you normally know that that I like that guy. Um, and it's just just fake, but but I do have fun going at people, especially Corrales, because I think Corrales actually gets about it, which which gives me joy. <laughs> which gives you joy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no man, uh, the McDonald's one for me is top of the list. And then what made it so much funnier was. A few months later, Packard was on a live stream and uh, games were on. I'm sure it was during the bubble. And they ordered a whole pizza to Chris Grenham's house, right? And they like, they made Chris eat it during the halftime. Did you see that? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't watch it, but 
but I saw I saw that happen. So that that's funny too. Yeah, it's like maybe Sam's starting this little podcasting career of just getting people to eat loads and loads of food on short yeah. time frames. Grenham failed too, right? He had he a didn't... slice left. Yeah, he he done good though. <laughs> he uh, he didn't slow down at all. I was quite impressed. <laughs> <laughs> it was an impressive failure. There was no Sean Grande. Sean Grande then though. Yeah, that, that he he really made it, man. He was so funny on that. He was so funny. What the reason I remember that so much was because I think he'd been on this podcast like forty eight hours earlier, and then watching him actually go to work with you as the subject was just hilarious. That's got to be <laughs> the number one point for the entire season in terms of media. That I mean, it, it, he was so funny, and uh, I wish I had gotten more of a chance to appreciate it. Because I was I was in such misery eating the food that I didn't <laughs> I didn't appreciate all of Grandy's zingers, um, but our podcast producer put together like highlights from it, and and they were so funny. I, oh man, yeah, he he's hilarious, man. He really is. That was uh, the number one Celtics media debut thing <laughs> I've seen all year. So <laughs> moving on, because I could talk about that McDonald's piece for at least an hour on its own. It was classic. Moving on. <laughs> so we've touched on your high point, your low point, your areas for improvement, and then your random highlight reel that seems to be changing every season. There's always something funny going on with Jaking. I'm sure we all <laughs> know where the nickname the kid came from. How did you end up giving yourself a nickname that stuck? Because usually that's not how things happen. So it's it's funny because um, I actually played college basketball with a a kid who he called everyone the kid. It was like like if if someone went like had a a big bucket, he'd be like, "Oh, that's a huge hoop for the kid," and he he just said it so often, and he'd say it about himself too um, that we ended up calling him the kid. And so it's it's hilarious to me that I have now become that guy who I don't actually like it's not just myself I call the kid. I, I call other writers the kid, I call my brothers the kid. Like it's it's sort of like my my buddy in in college, but I say it enough and I say it enough about myself that I became the kid, I guess. And and <laughs> I don't know. I, I I think it's funny. Um, I'm sure it's annoying at times, but but yeah, I guess I guess that's how I uh, got the nickname, the kid. If I see a tweet of yours that says "Give this a read for the kid" or "Give this a listen <laughs> for the kid," that's usually when I'll click on the link. See, uh, uh, I'm just being a clown. Um, <laughs> it so works. Ho- hopefully, it's not too annoying. It uh, works, man. So then the last one we've really got is your biggest surprise of the season outside of COVID. What was an experience you had where you was like, damn, I didn't see that coming? Um, that's a good question. Let me think of a good one. Um, from a standpoint with with my my profession or you like know, something that happened like, with the team. It can be either. It can be like, as long as you were involved in the interaction or the process, whatever it may be. So we're not looking at actual plays. Um, Just to make let, it harder. <laughs> the, uh, what would be the most surprising thing? Um, I don't know. 
That's a good question. Um, I'm not sure. I got to think about that one for a little while. That was a stunt. What, 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 what have other guys said? Tom Westerholm said it was when he was going to go to Milwaukee for that last game of the season before it got cancelled. And uh, he chose not to. And then when he chose not to, he found out if he'd gone, he would have got stranded in Milwaukee and had to find a way to get back. Yeah, that's crazy. John was, when I spoke to John about this, we kind of went down the avenue of like the amount of mental stress that working from like working from Zoom and stuff kind of put on you that you kind of didn't expect to happen where there was no like no narratives to form and then you write something and someone else has wrote something like yours but better and you're like oh man why did i do that so uh, there's been a few different ways that people have took that took that question around with it yeah corrales is right man like it really was it was hard because everybody normally you know in a locker room you're able to talk to guys by yourself and kind of get a unique angle um but with zoom calls like everything was everybody could see and hear everything so it was it was really tough to kind of navigate that um and i'm with corrales on that one what would be i don't know yeah i don't i don't know what the most surprising thing would be i'm trying to think of even like anything but i mean (laughs) have you lived an unsurprising year obviously like the covid thing was like as as surprising as it gets. Um, And then for us, especially like Rudy Gobert was in Boston shortly before he got tested uh, or tested positive. Marcus Smart, obviously we were all around him. He, he tested positive. So that was like, and that was early enough in the COVID pandemic that you didn't really know too much about it. Like, like, you know, now, um, and it, that was that was scary. Like I I quarantined for fourteen days in my apartment. Like I did not leave my apartment at all for anything for fourteen days, um, and that was something I definitely did not anticipate. And then the league shut down at the same time. And I when it when it happened the night Rudy Gobert um, <laughs> tested positive, and the league shut down. I was actually, I met my girlfriend's sister for the first time. And then it was like, Hey, uh, nice to meet you. I was in contact with Rudy Gobert recently and he just tested positive. So it was, it was kind of like the, the worst way to, to meet someone. So that happened. Like, like I found out right after we left, um, so yeah, that was that was interesting. That that whole thing was just. Have you won the sister back over now? Uh, I yes, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the pause between the uh and the yes kind of makes it uh, a little bit suspect. We'll have to hope that you did, because I'd be upset, man, if I met my uh my brother or sister's girlfriend and or boyfriend or whatever it may be, and they're like, yeah, uh, it's nice to meet you. Now you may have a deadly disease. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was wild. It it really was, and then, I mean, thankfully we were all we were all okay, but just just a wild, weird night. Yeah, it's crazy how COVID kind of just came and then just blew up, and the way it sent the league. And I mean, look, at the end of the day, everybody. It's more important that everybody stays stays healthy. How much are you leaving the house now? Because at the moment, I'm leaving for groceries, and that's it. So I leave once a week. Yeah, I don't leave much. Um, definitely not comfortable like 
going inside anywhere. Um, I've I've eaten at restaurants outside, but that's like the the furthest I'm willing to go. Most of the time, I'm just kind of at home, not doing much. Playing 2K. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> 2K. I've been watching. I've watched every show in in the history of shows. Um, ride ride the Peloton, trying to get back in shape a little bit. So. <laughs> so that wraps us off. I mean, I want to know where you are at this point. You playing my? You playing my career, or are you playing my team? Yeah. I, so I, I played like early in quarantine. I played a little bit. I have I haven't been playing much since. It's it's funny. Like that was probably the first time I played video games in in years, just because I've been too busy for it. But when like the early days of the NBA shutdown, I couldn't go anywhere. Literally it was just in my apartment. And I was like, you know what? 2K sounds pretty good. And I, I, I built a team with uh, – my team was loaded. It was Zion, um, Kawhi Leonard, Chris Middleton, Buddy Heald. Um, who else did I have? I don't know. We were loaded. We, we won a lot of games. But I, I haven't played in a little while. I think I've, I started re-watching – every episode of Dragon Ball and then drag and I'm moving on to Dragon Ball Z once that's so I started a 369 episode or some stupid journey um so that's <laughs> that's good that's a fun journey to have it takes you back to your childhood that pretty much wraps us up Jay I mean unless there's anything you feel like we've missed on your first exit interview on Celtics Black I don't think so it's it's a lot harder critiquing myself than it is to critique other people <laughs> it's tough right <laughs> yeah Last last one just came to me. When you met the girlfriend's sister, did you introduce yourself as Jay or the kid? <laughs> Definitely Jay. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I'm not as big a clown as as, as I seem to be. Yeah, maybe I am. Yeah, I mean, it would have been better if you said, "Hi, I'm the kid." Yeah, I don't think that would have gone over too well. And now you may have Corona. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, jeez. Uh. <laughs> Right, guys, you've been listening to the Celtics pod. You can catch us again on Monday. Thanks for jumping on, Jay. Yeah, thanks for having me.